Good morning. Let's all stand and sing our call to worship together.
Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you came as a little baby just to, to come and to humbly give yourself to us, Lord, and so that we can follow your example. We thank you so much for that, and we, we thank you for the chance to honor you and to praise your name here today. Lord, fill our hearts with you as we worship this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. someone near you and children we invite you to go over there where the rug is and have a seat and join us for a few moments of sharing.
No? Okay. Let me read you a Bible verse before we get started. And you've already noticed what I brought with me. Em, what did I bring with me? A lamb. A lamb. Okay. I'm going to tell you why I brought that lamb with me. Our Bible verse this morning comes from Luke chapter 1, and it's verses 30 and 31. And it says, hold on just a second. It says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Many, many years ago, a woman whose name was Sarah Hale wrote one of the best-known and best-loved children's poems, and it was about a lamb. Do you know what poem I'm talking about? Yes. What? Not the crippled lamb, but that is a good story. Does anybody know a poem about a lamb? What about Mary had a little lamb? Have you heard of that? It goes like this. Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, was sure to go. Yeah, I knew you knew that. Okay. Well, Christmas will be here soon. And what do we celebrate on Christmas Day? Whose birthday? Exactly. Well, in our Bible reading today, we read about an angel who appeared to Mary and told her that she would have a child and that she would name him Jesus. Well, sometimes in the Bible, Jesus is called the Lamb of God. And since baby Jesus' mother was named Mary, I thought I would read a new poem. Okay, it's okay. I thought I would read a new poem to you this morning called Mary Had a Little Lamb. It may never be as popular as the Mary Had a Little Lamb we learned when we were little, but it will help us to remember the true meaning of Christmas. Are you ready to listen to it? Okay. It says, Mary had a little lamb. He was born on Christmas Day. She laid him in a manger bed to sleep upon the hay. Angels filled the nighttime sky as they began to sing. Shepherds heard them all proclaim the birthday of a king. Wise men saw a blazing star up in the sky that night. They followed it until they found the king of love and light. Mary had a little lamb, but he wasn't hers, you know. He was the very son of God, the one who loves us so. The father of this little lamb loved the world so much that he sent his only son to earth so we could feel his touch. He came to give us joy and peace and take away our sin. So when he knocks on your heart's door, be sure to let him in. Why do I love this precious lamb? What can the reason be? The answer is quite plain to see. It's because he first loved me. Did you like the new poem? Yeah, and I know you like my lamb. He's kind of distracting up here, but he is cute. Okay, will you... That's right, it's just a puppet. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Repeat after me. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your precious lamb to take away our sin. Help us to remember as we celebrate his birthday that he was the greatest gift of all. In Jesus' name, amen.
My favorite Christmas poem goes like this. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. They'd been worn for two weeks and they needed some air. Thank you, thank you. It's good to see you too. It's good to see you here this morning. Some of you we saw last night and we appreciate those that came out for the uh, praise band Christmas concert. We sure did have a lot of fun preparing um, for that and performing it for you last night and thank you for being here. If you're visiting with us today, we're glad to have you here and hope that you'll come back to worship with us on, on many, many future occasions. Do you have some prayer concerns that you would like us to, to join you in praying for those needs and concerns? If you will raise your hand, our ushers will get you an index card and you can write something down and we will share that together. And, um, and join you in praying for those things that are heavy upon your heart this day. Are you interested in leading an adult Bible study when our Sunday night programs resume on January the 8th? Please let Cindy Davis or Katie Jeter know of your interest in leading an adult Bible study. So uh, we call that to your attention. Charles Hendricks has been in the hospital all week, um, but is now at Rosecrest Nursing Home over in Inman, recovering from a couple of injuries. He's got some uh, disc trouble in his back that's hurting him and keeping him from walking very easily. So he's there for some therapy. He also had some uh, digestive issues, um, but anyway, doing, doing very well now. Got a long way to come back for strength. So remember him in your prayers. Uh, Marilyn Haas's daughter, uh, Kim, Kim Urich, I believe is how they say the last name, uh, passed away very unexpectedly last Monday morning, and so our thoughts are with Marilyn. I saw her come in this morning. Uh, she may be with the babies, but, uh, but anyway, our thoughts are with her and her family. Sweatshirts that you ordered from the youth are back there on the table as you leave with your name on them, a uh, piece of paper. So be sure you pick up your uh, hoodie or sweatshirt uh, before you leave here today. Senior high youth are having their Christmas thingy tonight. Is it a progressive, progressive meal? Ah, the senior citizens need to do that so we can go from place to place to get heartburn different places, but the youth don't have to worry about that. Are there other announcements that we need to share? If you are finished with your prayer card, if you'll hold them up, um, we will have our ushers collect your prayer concerns, and I will lead us in prayer here in a few moments. Can you believe that this is the 18th, the fourth Sunday of Advent already. A week from today is Christmas Sunday. We will be having church on Sunday, although we are going to uh, bow to the inevitable, which is that the crowd will be impacted by out-of-town guests and whatnot. But we're going to have one service over in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock. That way, perhaps, those of you with small children that get you up at 4 o'clock in the morning, you'll be ready for something by about 10. <clears throat> And you will uh, still be able to be back home for uh, Christmas lunch. So that's why we're going with the 10 o'clock hour joint service in our sanctuary. Do I have all the cards? 
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we pray for Alora Dittmar, who is having a tonsillectomy tomorrow. We pray for troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones. We pray for strength for a best friend who is undergoing tests a couple days after Christmas. We pray for good results. We pray for Arlene, a neighbor with uh, health issues. We pray for a daughter with marriage problems, for a cousin, David McGuire, recovering from brain surgery. We pray for a sister with abdominal problems. We pray for Nell Griggs, grandmother of Alex Guest, and mother of Lynn Pennington, who is having heart surgery tomorrow in Charlotte. We pray for family and friends who are seeking jobs. We pray for a brother who is recovering from a severe infection. We pray for a friend's mother who was in a bad car crash last night. Lord, we are so grateful that you were already aware of all of these things because nothing happens to any of your children that you don't take note of immediately. And we know that you beat us to the scene of the need and where there is difficulty, you're already there. So we give you thanks for hearing our prayers. We know that you are all powerful, but we add our faith to your power and your love. As we pray these prayers, and now as we pray the prayer our Lord has taught us saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, we are having now the time of lighting of the Advent wreath. The... Uh, foster family with the children, Greg. And since Rochelle has some part in it, will someone please stand by with a fire extinguisher? I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. The darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright, and Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth, the kingdom of love and light.
Our scripture lesson today comes from uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Here ends the lesson. A perplexing salutation. That's a, that's a big, big title there. <clears throat> a teacher asked a kindergartner to draw a picture of what they saw in their minds as she uh, read to them the words of the Christmas carol, Silent Night. So the children began drawing pictures, and they drew a picture of a calm, starry night. All of them also included a picture of Jesus there in the manger. But Johnny's picture was a little different. You know Johnny. The baby Jesus was there, of course. But in addition to Mary being in that picture, Johnny had drawn a very fat Santa Claus. The teacher said, Johnny, where in the words of Silent Night did you hear that Santa was there? And Johnny replied, you said something about a a round yon virgin, and Santa is a very round yon person in yon picture. Well, you can learn a lot from children by listening, not all of it 100% accurate. Today's lesson takes us to the story of Mary, a young woman promised to be married to a carpenter named Joseph. In those days, the marriage promise was as binding as a signed marriage license is today. If the husband-to-be died before the actual wedding date, the bride-to-be would still be considered a widow and entitled to inheritance. If the couple called off their wedding, they were required to initiate a legal process very much like what we would call a divorce proceeding today, even though they were just pledged to one another. It was in this in-between time, between the official 
betrothal and the actual marriage that Mary's plans were interrupted by a visit from a heavenly messenger named Gabriel sent to her from God. There are some things by way of background on this story that I want to call to your attention. First is something about the writer. <clears throat> he was a doctor, a physician named Luke, a Gentile who had been converted to Christianity, a well-educated man of his day, especially in medicine and science of his day. It's therefore a little surprising that he is writing this story about angels and miracles and a virgin birth, that this would be coming from a man of science, surprises us. At least that's what we think. I think this is very important for us to remember who the author of this book is as we read this story of Jesus's miraculous and unusual birth. This doctor well knew how babies came into existence in our world. And he was a Gentile, therefore he was not bound to all the, uh, the Hebrew uh, expectations about Christ. And yet when he sat down to write the story of Jesus, he is the one who tells us about angels and Jesus' miraculous birth along with Matthew. That's got to mean something to us as we remember that. There are two stories in Luke about the angel Gabriel in that first chapter. Gabriel's first visit was to an elderly priest named Zechariah, promising him that he and his wife Elizabeth uh, would have a son named John. The second visit was to Mary. There are some similarities in these two visitations from Gabriel. Both Zechariah and Mary are troubled and frightened by the angel's visit and both ask for some clarification, please. The difference is that Mary's question came from a posture of faith. She just needed to know a few more details. But Zechariah's question came from doubt and sarcasm. It even sounds like he's ridiculing the whole idea to the angel. How can I know you're telling me the truth, he says. In the message paraphrase of the Bible, uh, the writer expresses Zechariah's question this way. Do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old woman. Mary's faith-filled question was met with respect by the angel, and she got the answer that she needed. Zechariah's doubt-filled question was met with a rather humorous but stern response. Since you doubt my word, you won't be able to say another word until what I've told you comes to pass. Mary shows us that her question came from the posture of faith and not doubt when she concludes her conversation with the angel by saying, I am God's servant. Let it be as you have spoken to me. I take this to mean that questions coming from our position of faith are always welcomed by God and his messengers. But questions coming from doubt or cynicism or sarcasm may not be quite as welcome. I think it's interesting to, to uh, see what unsettled Mary. The angel Gabriel appeared very suddenly to her. 
if the angel appeared very suddenly to me, just his appearance would give me cardiac arrest. That'd be enough. You've heard the story about the little boy who woke up during the night and he called to his parents, Mama, Daddy, come here. I'm scared. His tired mother responded, Son, there's nothing to be afraid of in our house. Besides, your guardian angel is in there with you. The little boy was quiet for a moment as he thought about it, and then he said, Hey, angel, if you really are in here, don't move. You'll scare me to death. Well, I can relate to that child. But you and I have some strange ideas about angels anyway. Who says that they have to be all shiny and bright with wings on their backs? Most of the time when the Bible speaks about angels coming to, the, to us, they're mistaken for ordinary people. People just think they're other people. They only later realize that there was something different about that person. This was somebody sent from God. The writer of Hebrews said that we should show hospitality, 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 uh, even to strangers. Because sometimes in so doing, we have unknowingly entertained angels. And the concept of angels is that they are special messengers sent to us by God. So there really may have been nothing all that abnormal about Gabriel's appearance. He may not have been frightening or startling. At least Luke tells us that it isn't his looks that upset Mary at all. It wasn't his sudden appearance that upset her. It was what he said, his greeting to her, his perplexing salutation. It says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Sometimes God sends a messenger to you and to me. It might be another human being. It might be an angel. And it isn't their appearance that unsettles us. It's the message itself that sends cold chills up and down our spines. We preachers always hold our breath the first week of April when the telephone rings and the district superintendent says, I need you to come in here to see me for a few minutes. That usually means pack your bags. Last year, I got a call on about April the 2nd from Charles Johnson. He said, Arthur, I need to talk with you. And I said, oh, my goodness. He said, no, not about that. I said, whew. But uh, just the salutation can be rather troubling. Mary was troubled not by the messenger, but by the message. Greetings. You are highly favored by God. The Lord is with you. While she may well have considered it a real compliment to be told that she had favor with the Lord and that the Lord was with her, she still might wonder what this means, really. You see, those whom God favors, he usually calls into some action that carries them outside of their comfort zone. I'm reminded of Tevier in that great musical Fiddler on the Roof who was wondering with a friend one day why it is that the Jewish people have endured so much suffering. And his friend said, because we're God's chosen people. And Tevye looked up toward heaven and said, choose somebody else. Well, we sometimes feel that way. 
Mary had to know, like Tevye, that being chosen by God might be a very difficult thing. To be called to a particular task might cause one to feel a bit perplexed. Now, I'm probably putting too much humanity into an angel, but I have to imagine, because we're told that there's excitement in heaven from time to time, joy and parties in heaven over one who repents, you know. This angel seems to be thoroughly excited about the news that he has. And I can just imagine that he represented all the joy and excitement that was going on in heaven because at long last God was setting into purpose sending Jesus to the world, something that God had been planning and talking about since the very creation of all things. And now the time had come. They were so excited. Perhaps in Gabriel's greeting we hear just a little bit of that excitement as he proclaims to Mary, you're the one God's chosen. We've been looking forward to this. You're having that special privilege of being the mother of the Christ child. She was being highly regarded and favored by God. The Lord was indeed with this very special lady. And this is where Mary asked for a few more details. Her marriage was still some time out in the future, and her question seemed to be asking, is this something that is going to happen after I marry Joseph or before? I'm not married yet. I just need to know. The angel explains that this is precisely the, the timing of his visit. This is why he came when he did, to tell her that this would occur now, before her wedding day, so that the child would be called the Son of God. Mary understood let it be with me according to your word, she said. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Apparently there was no great debate between Mary and the angel. She did not protest God's call like Moses had done. She did not try to hide behind the shield of unworthiness like Isaiah had done. Her response was that of a slave. It was immediate and unhesitating. Because that's what a servant does, just obeys. A servant Im immediately obeys the master. One of the things that the gospel tells us about Jesus is that he was God's chosen servant. He immediately, without hesitation, always obeyed God. His response to God was unhesitating and immediate because he was a servant, a slave. I am sure that Jesus learned that behavior from the example of the mother that he saw living her faith out every day. Because Mary was full of grace and faith, she didn't ask for a sign of this news like Zechariah had done, but the angel Gabriel gave her a sign anyway. One of Mary's relatives, an elderly lady who lived up in the hills, was in the sixth month of her pregnancy. Everybody in the community and in the family, including Mary, thought that Elizabeth and her husband would never have any children. Without telling Mary how the lives of Elizabeth's son and her son would intertwine three decades later, Gabriel just calls attention to Elizabeth's baby as a sign that nothing is ever impossible with God not even the manner 
of Jesus' conception. One thing I've noticed about expectant mothers is that they love to get together to compare notes, to share the joy of bringing new life into the world. I think it was probably this joy plus her own excitement that caused Mary to leave Nazareth to, to journey up to the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah. There probably was no one else on the planet at that time that Mary could possibly talk to about what was going on. There's nothing more wonderful, I guess, than feeling a baby move in the womb and Mary's arrival. Actually, no, it was the arrival of the baby within Mary's womb that caused the most active movement of the baby in Elizabeth's womb. It was as if the baby that Elizabeth was carrying was leaping for joy within her, causing Elizabeth, Elizabeth to speak words of prophecy. Blessed are you among women, and how blessed is the child that you carry. And blessed are you, for you have believed that what the Lord has said to you will be accomplished. At first, Mary was troubled by the angel's message, but not by his appearance. She knew that there was more to this message than a simple, God loves you. But Mary's faith and dedication was such that it caused for an immediate yes response from her to God's message. From the very beginning, God had planned every step in Jesus' coming to us. Indeed, from the beginning of creation, God had ordained that all of us would come home to the Father by means of his Son. Amen. I invite you to stand and join me now in the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. You may be seated and we will now worship God as we receive our offering.
cast aside your fear and be thankful. Hail, hail to the newborn King. Let our voices sing Him our praises. Hail, hail to the guiding light that brought us to
forth in peace, knowing that you too are highly favored by God and that he calls you to bear Jesus to the world in which we live and to proclaim the good news of the Savior whose birth we celebrate. Amen. Have a great week. <laughs>